Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Those Murder Girls Podcast. We're your murder girls. That's Raina. And that's Marie. We are excited for you guys to be joining us this week for today's episode. Thank you as always for all the love and support each week. And before we jump into today's episode, we do ask that you please hit subscribe wherever you are listening to us right now and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Those Murder Girls Podcast. Source material for today's episode can be found on our website. There you can also find our case submission button. If there's a story or crime you guys want us to cover, send it over and we'll take a look at it. All right, so now let's get started with today's story. This week we are going to be telling you the case of teen killer Nate Anderson. His full name is Mark Nathaniel Anderson. He was just 15 years old when he murdered his older sister Amanda on September 15, 2010. Nate Anderson was born to his parents, Stacy and Mark Anderson, in Smith County, Texas, on July 30, 1995. Smith County is in eastern Texas, about 100 miles from Dallas, and it's known as the Center for Rose Cultivation. This town in particular is just covered in rose bushes. They line the streets, they hold a rose festival every year, and neither of us have been there, but it's just supposed to be a beautiful city. There are roughly 100,000 residents that fill up Smith County, and within this county, there's a town called New Chapel Hill, and that's where the Anderson family lived. New Chapel Hill was a very small town. That only held up about 600 residents. So the properties are separated by lots of land, it's very rural, and it kind of gives the residents a private, wide open ranch type feel. So Nate lived there with his parents and his older sister, Amanda, who was 19 at the time. Their house was tucked off County Road 2273, so in Texas, they pretty much are all separated by county roads. And their family, the Andersons, they were super active in their local community. The church, they all attended the Tyler Gospel Chapel, and it was also a private Christian school, and that's where Nate was enrolled at. While his older sister, Amanda, she attended Tyler Junior College and worked at the local hospital. So the events that unfolded on the night of September 15th, 2010, would shock the small town of New Chapel Hill. The Anderson family would be left to bury their only daughter and face the reality that their only son was the killer. The evening of September 15th, 2010 seemed to be like any other for the Anderson family. Stacy was at work at Mother Francis Hospital for her usual shift, and Mark headed to town to have dinner at a local restaurant, leaving Nate and his sister back at home. Nate was said to be working on homework in his room, as he usually did after school, while his sister Amanda was in her room studying. At 7.16 p.m., Mark receives a frantic phone call from Nate saying that he had left the house for an evening jog, and when he returned, he noticed that someone had broken into the home by forced entry through the garage door, and he spots his sister's body lying on her bedroom floor. Susie and Mark immediately call 911 to respond to the scene, and they frantically hurried to the home. Sheriffs were dispatched to the home on CR 2273 at 7.20 p.m., responding to a report of a possibly deceased female who had been shot within the residence. 
So, Raina, Nate already looks odd to me because what 15-year-old goes jogging at 7-something at night on a county road? I mean, doesn't that seem suspicious? I mean, it takes a lot to get me to jog. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let alone at 7. <laughs> Just kidding. I actually am because we're doing this fitness challenge at work, and i am got to be on my game because all my coworkers are watching me. Okay. Anyways, back to the story. So the deputies arrive at the Anderson family home and they find 19-year-old Amanda Anderson dead in her bedroom. It was determined that she had died from four, four gunshots to the head. Like insane. That's so personal. One shot to the front of the head, one shot to the side, and two shots to the back of her head. Jeez. I know. That's a crime of hate for sure. That is personal. Jeez. When the EMS personnel arrived, they noted that they did not perform any life-saving measures to Amanda, and they did not touch or move her body. Now, Nate was the only one at home during the time, but he did state when he returned from his so-called jog that he had noticed the forced entry in the garage. So the detectives thoroughly searched the home. They do see the damage to the garage door, but they later determine that nothing was taken from the Anderson home and that the garage door was, in fact, unlocked during this, quote, forced entry by whoever forcibly entered. So someone breaks into the Anderson home through an unlocked door. Through an unlocked door. Viciously murders Amanda for no apparent reason and then takes nothing with them. Seems logical. Right. So as detectives begin to question the family members, a timeline begins to unravel. Mark Anderson had told them that he called his daughter Amanda at 7.03 p.m. that evening, and he had asked her to go pick up her mother from work at Mother's Francis Hospital. Mark had been at dinner with some buddies from work in the neighboring town Tyler, Texas. Now, when he had spoken to Amanda, she stated that she was in her room doing homework and that Nate was home as well. Mark then received the call from Nate at 7.16, which was just 13 minutes later, when he was screaming to his dad, and he said, quote, they shot her, they shot her, end quote. Who goes for a run for 13 minutes? Uh, it takes me 13 minutes to possibly get out the door. I know. <laughs> I, wow, you go, Nate. So when the first responding officers arrived at the Anderson home at 7.29 p.m., Nate was the only one present, so obviously they begin to get Nate's story of events. Naturally, Nate, he's beyond himself. He's crying, screaming, just in complete hysterics over his sister's death. Now, Nate reiterated the same story to the officers that he told his father. He went for a late-night jog, he returned, and spotted his sister dead on the bedroom floor. When the lead investigator assigned to the case, his name was Detective Ron Rathbun, along with Texas Ranger Brent Davis, sat down for an interview with Nate at the Sheriff's County office. His father, Mark, was obviously present as well because he was a minor. Nate went on to state that he did not enter his sister Amanda's room that evening. He did not physically touch her body or even come near it when he had found her. He said that her bedroom door was closed but not latched. So, therefore, he opened the door and he could tell that she had been shot, which is when he ran out of the home to call his father. Nate went on to say that he didn't see anyone else in or around the home because, remember, they live off a county road, which is pretty far away from anything. And no one else came to the house prior to the first deputies that responded. 
So during this interview, the detectives would also learn that Nate is right-handed. Which friends? That will come into play in a little bit. So Mark Anderson, Nate's father, he had multiple firearms in the house. And he told the authorities where each gun was located in the home, and one by one, the authorities seized them. A total of four guns were taken from the residence, and they were all 22 caliber firearms. Amanda had undergone the standard autopsy procedures at the Southwest Institute of Forensic Science Lab located in Dallas. The medical examiner made the determination that Amanda had been shot four times at extremely close range. He also found three small slug bullets inside Amanda's head, so those were sent off as evidence to the Department of Public Safety Crime Lab for further testing. So here's where detectives get a pretty good idea of who was responsible for this heinous crime. The bullets retrieved from Amanda's head were analyzed, and they were determined to in fact be a 22 caliber, but more specifically, they were fired from a Ruger or H&K brand weapon. Now, of the four weapons taken from the Anderson home, three of them did not match the identifying marks on any of the fired projectiles used to recreate the rounds that were found in Amanda's head. But the fourth gun could not be eliminated, meaning that it had to be the fucking gun that was used, right? Right. A 22 caliber Ruger Mark semi-automatic pistol was the remaining weapon that had not been eliminated. Now, this gun was owned by Mark, Amanda and Nate's father, and guess what? He had gifted it to his son Nate years ago, and father and son would often take it shooting. The DPS lab made a direct match to Nate's pistol to the bullets that were found in Amanda's head and determined that that was the gun used in her murder the night of September 15th. So now detectives are putting some heat on Nate bringing him down to the station for further questioning. Nate is sticking to his story that he has no idea what happened to his sister. He wasn't there. He didn't touch her. He didn't move her. He went nowhere near her body. He had no idea who killed her or who would even want her dead. Right. Okay, Nate. As if some random murderers took nothing from value of the home and they just went and slaughtered Amanda and just vanished off into the night. Smith County crime scene investigators had collected Nate's clothing for evidentiary purposes. I mean, he was the last person to see his sister alive, so that would make sense. We want to give props to that tiny little police department for following procedure. While having Nate's clothes in their possession, they use this chemical called Blue Star, which is a latent bloodstained forensic agent. Basically, it can detect and identify traces and presence of blood on any item, even if the blood is so small that it can't be seen with a naked eye. So when they applied this chemical to his clothes, it had reacted to his shoes, his shirt, his pants in a spray mist type pattern. The detectives noted that the pattern was consistent with a high velocity impact splatter. This splatter can only occur as a result of a bullet or projectile discharging from a gun into the blood source. Example, a body or an animal, whatever it is. They made further determination that the splatter on the clothing was consistent with a person standing and shooting in a right-handed position. Who's right-handed? Nate. 
So just to make sure they had all of their ducks in a row, they sent the stain pattern photos to a nationally renowned blood stain expert named Bob Henderson. Bob makes a trip to Tyler, Texas to visit the Anderson home to get a look at the crime scene and to review all of the evidence for himself. Now, Bobby's independent opinion was that the pattern of blood on Nate's clothing was consistent with a pattern he would find on the shooter's clothes. And if Nate was the only person that was home, well, Nate, things aren't looking good for you, buddy. So after Bob finalized his reports, they then send Nate's clothing and Amanda's DNA to a forensic lab in Dallas to be compared. Well, guess what, guys? It's a match. (laughs) The blood found on Nate's clothing could only belong to Amanda. And the only way her blood could have transferred to his clothing was by a high-velocity impact, which meant Nate had to be in the room when Amanda was shot. So all of these findings are coming to light, and it's been almost two months now since Amanda's murder. The Andersons are grieving the loss of Amanda, and the entire community was grieving her along with the family, showing support in any way that they could. People around town said that they stayed locked up in their homes. They were shocked and frightened, afraid that a killer was on the loose. Finally, detectives, with all the evidence in hand, arrest Nate for the murder of his sister Amanda. Nate was arrested in the parking lot of their family's gospel church. His grandmother said that he was arrested, quote, while he was feeding God's people. And Nate's family were beside themselves with disbelief. They felt that there was absolutely no way that Nate would ever kill or even hurt his sister. According to them, he loved his sister so dearly. So regardless of all the evidence that was stacked up against Nate, his family, they vowed to stand behind him. His grandmother also stated that, Quote, Nathan doesn't know anything but the church, school, and love. He would never hurt his sister for nothing in the world. There is just no way I am dumbfounded. End quote. One thing that stumped the detectives from the very beginning when they zeroed in on Nate as a suspect was why. Like, what was the motive? Why would Nate want to kill his sister? Does it make any sense to them? So after Nate's arrest, he was held at the Smith County Juvenile Detention Center to await trial. Then, after nine months at the juvenile center, Nate was certified as an adult and they transferred him to the Smith County Jail. All during this time, the family continued to stand by his innocence. Mark and Stacy could not come to terms with the fact that Nate committed such a crime. They just, they refused to believe it. Stacy had stated that, quote, as a mother who loves both of her children, this has been the most difficult ordeal I have ever experienced. Nate would eventually settle for a plea deal. So he pled guilty to first degree murder for the shooting and murder of his sister, Amanda, in order to avoid a trial. Now, Nate had confessed to the murder to a psychologist, but the details at that confession were never released and they remain sealed to this day. So his attorneys stated, quote, I'm not going to go into specific conversations that I have had with Nate or anyone on the team, but we do know what happened and I'm going to leave it at that, end quote. In a statement released by his parents after Nate's court hearing, his father Mark had said that 
He took her life by shooting her with a pistol that was in our home. He has asked me for forgiveness, and I have forgiven him. Nate's attorney said that he's been full of remorse. He's just been completely devastated by what he's done. But honestly, I don't think we'll ever really know why Nate killed his sister that evening. And the fact that his parents will never, ever truly know, I mean, that's got to eat away at them every day. Nate was sentenced to 20 years in prison in 2012. In the agreement that came with the plea bargain, he will be eligible for parole in 10 years. Now, Nate also got credit for the time that he had already served while he was in custody at the Smith County Jail. So he's already done some time, guys. And Nate also, he waived his right to an appeal, so he will never be eligible to appeal his case. So we appreciate you guys hanging with us today and joining us for another episode of Those Murder Girls podcast. Nate Anderson will be eligible for parole in just two short years, and we can only hope that this time behind bars has made him a changed man. Amanda did not deserve to have her life taken at the young age of 19. She had her whole life ahead of her. And frankly, I personally, I don't think that his sentence was justified whatsoever. It totally wasn't. It kills me, no pun intended. But he obviously knew right from wrong, denying it seconds after he just shot her, obviously for no reason. (sighs) He deserved life. The kid's gonna be out of jail in his 20s, free to live his life, you know. But Amanda didn't get to do that. Amanda didn't get to do any of that. Our source material can be found on our website, and you guys, please hop on social media. Let us know what you guys think about Amanda's story. Do you guys think that Nate should walk free in just a couple of years? Well, we'll see you guys back here next week for some more true crime. Everybody have a safe weekend. Bye, Bye guys. guys.